You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Katie. Well, hello, Nathan. What a treat to hear you. Hear your beautiful voice up top in the intro like this. What's the special occasion? Yes, well, we've got a special treat for our listeners today. An episode from our Patreon vault. Ooh, from the vault. Yes. Okay, so if you were listening to our last episode in our Margaret Beaufort series, we had we, we revisited The Princess in the Tower, and we figured we would bring back one of our Patreon episodes way back from way back when in that magical year of 2020. Yeah, right. <laughs> so grab a drink and get ready for the drama, Mama. And hey, if you are just joining us, if this is your very first Queen's Podcast episode, welcome. But do be warned that explicit rating is there for a reason. We curse like sailors. So if that's not your thing, this is not going to be the fucking show for you. Cheers, bitches! (laughs) Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Nathan. Katie, guess what we're going to be doing today? We're going to be talking about some princes, maybe? Am I on the right track? Okay, okay. And there's this big thing that's really tall and small, and it's at the edge of a tap. Oh, almost said it. (laughs) If this was catchphrase, you'd already be out. We lost. (laughs) I suck at catchphrase. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. If you haven't figured out yet, today we are talking about the centuries-old mystery of, drumroll please, Princess in the Tower. The Princess in the Tower. Oh, my gosh. I love going down this rabbit hole. It's a really sad um, source material. Oh my God, the conspiracy theories. Yes, this is a rabbit hole of rabbit holes for the history nerds, really, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> yes. And... Because it's like the opinion has slowly evolved. So, I mean, we're obviously going to get to it in a little bit, but, you know, Richard III, you have Henry VII, and then you have like the Duke of Buckingham, but it's evolved over time where it was mm-hmm. like, at the beginning, it was like, oh, for sure, Richard III. Now I feel like over time, opinion has slowly started changing to be like maybe it was henry the seventh and it's but uh, it's just so up and down there's so many things there's so many things to talk about and we're probably not even going to touch on all the theories today we're probably not going to go down every rabbit hole that we want to because um we have lives and there are, <laughs> this would there, be a three-hour episode there if we are really people wanted to. there are people that have dedicated their whole careers two princes in the tower and still come out going well i don't fucking know so (laughs) it's true (laughs) but we're gonna touch on what it is the main theories and the main suspects in the crime of the princes in of the tower so nathan why don't you get us started Okay, so we know of the Princess of the Tower in our latest episode, Elizabeth of York, and we briefly touched about them in the Elizabeth Woodville episode too. Uh, so if you haven't heard those episodes, we're talking about like the War of the Roses time. There's a murder mystery. Princes died in England in a tower. This story has everything. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to try to like solve this murder mystery and we're going to basically put people on trial and we're going to call it chilling or killing. I love it. <laughs> so, so if they're guilty of the crime or you think that they were they were an accessory or knew anything about the crime, we say they're, they were killing. If we think they were innocent, we say they were just chilling. Yeah. So let's try to reduce over 30 years of the Wars of the Roses into a snippet. Let's try. <laughs> yeah, because again, this is another thing that you could probably spend your whole life of research right. on. <laughs> so basically, if you're brand new, just stepping into this, the whole Wars of the Roses go- comes down to there's this one 
dynasty in England called the Plantagenets. They had been ruling England for over 300 years. And then there's two different like cadet branches of the Plantagenet family, the Yorks and the Lancasters, and they're fighting over it. In the York family, you have King Ed. And King Ed married Elizabeth Woodville for love. So they had like this super secret ceremony. And it was really quite a scandal because Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Woodville was considered to be a quote-unquote commoner. Even though her mother had been a duchess, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. But her father was a commoner, so she was a commoner. Yeah, so King Ed is super sexy and Elizabeth Woodville is super sexy. And guess what? Super sexy people fuck a lot. That's yeah. not to say that two ugly, two, two ugly people or an ugly and a pretty don't fuck a lot. But these people fuck like fucking rabbits. They were, they were very into each other in a sexual manner. Yes. Yeah. So the king and queen gave birth to a litter of children. Um, <laughs> one of them was named Lizzie Yorkshire Terrier. Well, Lizzie's Elizabeth of York, BT Dubs. Yeah. Um, and she also gave birth to uh, ye old heir and a spare, um, Eddie, which is going to be Edward V, and Richie Rich, which is going to be Baby Richard. So, guys, there's like so many Edwards. <laughs> so we're just going to have to get real creative with the names. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about these princes in the tower. I mean, I feel like a lot of people talk about their disappearances, their possible deaths, but like we don't hear a lot about like who were these kids. So let's kind of do a brief description of the brief lives of <laughs> these two little boys. Edward V, aka Eddie, like you said, he was born in Westminster Abbey while in Sanctuary, November 2nd, 1470. So he's a Scorpio. His dad, King Ed, had been deposed, and so his mother fled to sanctuary while the Wars of the Roses did its thing. About seven months later, uh, King Ed is reinstated, and Eddie makes his appearance in London as Prince of Wales. So Prince Eddie is moved to Ludlow Castle because now he's the Prince of Wales. Um, So this is on the border of Wales and England. Ha ha, makes sense. Yes. His mom's brother, Anthony Woodville, was appointed to be his caretaker and like manage his household, you know, all that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Anthony was like this really smart guy. So he's not like, I know he's like Elizabeth's brother, which doesn't hurt for getting the job, but he's actually like, very, very intelligent. Yeah. So, but it's important to note how much the old guard royals, all the other dukes and duchesses, they look at the Woodvilles and they're like, who the fuck do these people think they are? Um, why is, you know, because being the young prince's like protector and like the person that's going to raise them like that is a huge honor. And so like these old school dukes and earls and shit are like, who the fuck is this Woodville guy? Yeah. What, why, what the fuck? Why, why did you pass me up? Because like for the last hundred years, it's been my position that usually, you know, so there's right. lots of feelings were hurt. People were thumbing noses at people. <laughs> A lot of people just really didn't like the Woodvilles. And I don't think it had anything to do with them being bad at the positions they were assigned to or anything. It's just that they're upstarts in their mind. Yeah. They're like, uh, who's this family? Woody who? Woody right. Woodpecker? Yeah, <laughs> they have no idea who it was. But right. the Woodbills are working that fucking political magic. Like mm-hmm. They are so tight-knit and they're sitting there being like, okay, we've got this one shot to make sure that our family line, you know, makes its dynasty, if you will. Right. So they're constantly just promoting each other to these super high positions, which again is reason for the other guys who've been there longer to kind of hate them. Mm-hmm. So Eddie's education, he I liked this line that I read. It was like, he was to arise every morning at a convenient hour according to his age. I'm like, well, well if I was 16, I'd be like, well, that's not until noon. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, convenient <laughs> hour according to his age. So... I'm going to play video games in my room all day. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's very strict. Um, <laughs> so right after he'd wake up, he'd attend mass. And then he'd have his like studies on virtues, what's right and wrong. And then he'd do the, the regular reading and writing and history right. and stuff like that. So King Ed really did his uh, research on the people that he hired for Prince Eddie. Like he was doing extensive background mm-hmm, checks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously you can't be like a criminal, duh. Yeah. Uh, but he would look at it and say, you can't even curse, you know, like you, 
you can't say anything bad at all or else you don't get the job. So this uh, is a future king of England. He wants him to be raised by the most well-mannered and well-educated. He is checking those references. Yeah. Me and you would definitely not be. Oh, no, no, uh, -uh, not at all. (laughs) But uh, Prince Eddie was said to be like really well-mannered, super smart, charming. And I mean, even if he was, I'm pretty sure a royal historian could be like, man, that kid was a fucking dumbass. Yeah, like yeah, there's no there's no chronicler going to be like, I met the Prince of Wales today and whoo <laughs> what a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So Eddie was uh, betrothed as a baby to another famous lady baby, um, <laughs> Anne of Brittany. Richie Rich, little Prince Richard, was born August 17th, 1473. So I believe that is Leo. He would have been raised more like his, with his immediate family. Unlike, unlike Prince Eddie, he wasn't sent off to his own household. So he would have been raised like with his younger sisters, his mom, maybe like some of his cousins and stuff like that. Just kind of more of um, less pressure. The, the younger son had less yeah. pressure on him. For they sure. had a, didn't they have the didn't they have like a saying in Bridgerton that was like you know the second one gets to have fun basically yeah <laughs> second sons get to have fun something like that yeah and before the whole princes in the tower debacle he really didn't know his brother Edward because mm-hmm. Edward pretty much little Eddie only came home for like Christmas and Easter and that was like it and so they wouldn't have been super close or anything. They definitely did not have the relationship that maybe him and Elizabeth York may have had. They were just kind of like, hey, bro, see you once a year. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Richie Rich was married off at the ripe old age of four, you know, because he was getting up there in age. Like, it's time to, you know. (laughs) That's got to kind of marry off that that eligible Come on, you can't be a bachelor forever, (laughs) man. You're... You're almost five. Let's... <laughs> and she was a rich heiress, Anne de Malbray. Yeah, and uh, there's a picture online of the of, of allegedly the, the, the wedding. The portrait from their wedding day. Oh my! There's two little kids that are obviously teeny tiny. The girl is much tinier. They're both wearing white. The priest is like crouched down, like praying Whispering over their in head. their ear, like, come on. And now you say. Ladies. Yes, exactly. And then you have a little dog in the right-hand corner who's scratching his ear. Who let the dog in? Like, <laughs> woof, 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 woof. Who yes. let the dog in? Woof, 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 woof. Oh my goodness. But yeah, we really don't know. That's about the extent of our knowledge on little baby Richie. Um, We know that he went into sanctuary, the sequel, uh, the second time that Elizabeth Woodville took a bunch of her kids to sanctuary. He went with them and then later was brought to the tower of London. But yeah. So let's hop from their backstory into their disappearance. Yeah. So we've got to, we got to like set up the story to lead up to the crime. So you kind of get the, how everything happened, establish a timeline basically. Totally. So King Ed's health was not good at all. (laughs) So he's like binge drinking and binge eating, which is like, Oh, the worst night ever. <laughs> no, it's not uh, good for he does, Like, there were stories that I read where he would, like, eat until he threw up and then would eat again, like, right afterwards. I mean, it is the grand, it is the grandfather of Henry VIII, so. Yeah, and is that, like, really, is that, a, that's an eating disorder, right? Just oh, yeah, that's, bul- yeah, that's bulimia, yeah, yep. Binge yeah, eating. basically. Well, there, there's binge eating disorder. I don't want to talk about eating disorders. <laughs> no, me neither. But, but King Ed might have had one. Yes. Um, and, and, and he died whenever he was 40. So young. So since history is a bag of dicks in England, the crown obviously doesn't just automatically go to the oldest child, which would be Lizzie York, who's 17 and would be pretty much fully capable to run the country on her yeah. own. Could you imagine what life oh. would have been if she would have been the queen. Um, <sighs> but, but, she had, Eddie, but she had this she had this vagina thing going on. Uh, which just, but, we can't, we can't have that. But she, she, she has a vagina. I mean, that, vagina. all bets are off. She's oh, not, what, she's what not capable. Not she's capable. hysterical. She, she's hysterical. Her hormones could just kick in and I don't know, she could behead a lot of people. Hmm. <laughs> Looking at you, Henry the Eighth. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Eddie, Prince Eddie, he's the heir, so he's only twelve. And as we've learned in like our past episodes, a twelve-year-old usually isn't fit to rule England because I mean yeah. that's like whenever you're in seventh grade, and no, that's just someone in seventh grade ruling England. Oh my God, no! So what you have to do is you have to appoint a regent, and uh, King Ed really liked Game of Thrones, so <laughs> he called it. 
the Lord Protector of the Realm. And Richard III, who also really liked Game of Thrones, was thrilled and honored to accept the award from his brother, the king. So I hope, you know, that's how it went down. Yeah, after all this, like, Game of Thrones talk, the <laughs> heir apparent, Eddie, needed to have his coronation because that 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 was just, you know, they would have these huge ceremonies to show the people of London, one, for all the rich people to get out there and, like, wear their jewels and be fancy, but two, to, like, show the people of England, like, this is your new king, make them visible. Um, And also to be anointed by God. So it's, these parties had everything, showing off your jewels, saying hi to your people and a big thumbs up from the big guy. So they head out from Ludlow and start heading to London. And that's probably by horse would have been like a two or three days journey. Yeah. So as soon as uh, they get the news, Anthony Woodville Little Eddie and Eddie's half older brother, Richard Gray, were like, let's get the show on the road. Richard III and his right hand man, Henry Stafford, Duke of Buckingham, they're like, well, we're going to meet them there. We're going to meet them about halfway. They meet them in a town called Strange Stafford, April 29th, 1483. And fun side note uh, whenever we go to England to see Steve's family, Stony Stratford's like the next town over and it's got lots of bars and restaurants in it. So that's where we always go like out when we go meet up with his friends for drinks. And there's a plaque. I have a picture on my Instagram of me in front of the plaque that's like something like ye old kidnapping or something like that. But <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly, that's like exactly what it says. Yeah. Richard meets up with Anthony and Eddie and Sir Richard Gray and basically has Anthony and Sir Richard arrested for treason for like. I found that so crazy. It was like they meet up and they actually stayed the night where where they were. And, you know, Richard's like, hey, man, what's going on? Yeah. Like they had dinner together. Nothing was wrong. And then they literally wake up the next morning. He's like, I'm, I'm going to have to put you under arrest. And they're like, what the fuck? We just were having fun last night. Why, I know. You, why couldn't you have told me this last night? <laughs> he claims he claims that Anthony Woodville and Richard Gray were like plotting something against the young king. What? Like, uh, That is some some QAnon bullshit. (laughs) I mean, these two guys have basically raised the king. Mm -hmm. And like, if they're plotting to hurt him or anything, there goes all their power. Like why? And also they probably love him as a close relation. They didn't raise him. Right. I don't, I don't. I just, I don't think the Woodville, I don't think Anthony Woodville or Richard Gray were doing anything nefarious whatsoever. And also Prince Eddie doesn't know his uncle Richard like he knows them. yeah that's that was something that was really like he he it's not like he saw you know uncle dick Richard the third every like Christmas and Easter like he saw his brother he never saw him no like they probably met before at some point but they didn't have a relationship so how scared must you be being this little 12 year old kid already probably freaked out that you got to go be king now and like the only people you trust have just been arrested for allegedly harming you so i listened I, like i was doing research on this and i found it that at this point prince eddie starts complaining about his health and he starts so i mean it could legitimately be that he has health problems mm-hmm. but it also could be that stress manifesting itself as a health issue you yeah. know what i mean like because that is a possibility we know stress can cause a lot of problems and make things worse on any sort of illness that you may already have you could give yourself an ulcer from stressing out too much totally yeah yeah, so I really found it interesting that, you know, he could start complaining about physical ailments around this time. And so he was all clearly under stress, in my opinion. Yeah. So this was a bold move. Like, you mm-hmm. legit just had the Dowager Queen's brother and son arrested. Right. So, obviously, Dowager Queen Elizabeth Woodville is, like, GTFOing and heads back to Sanctuary with her daughters and Prince Richie Rich. Get thee to a sanctuary. Yes, ma'am. Good old Uncle Dick. Uh, he's Richard III, says that he's simply, you know, just I'm just escorting the next king to safety because we got to get back to London, you know. I'll keep him in the Tower of London. It's kind of customary to do that just to keep him safe before his coronation. Um, and just kind of interesting note, this isn't like the Tower of London isn't what it was, like that bad omen that we think of it as. Today. Right. Like, now, like ever since like Anne Boleyn, we think, oh, you've been sent to the Tower of London. You're waiting your trial. It was like a... You know, people stayed there before their coronations. That was 
kind of normal. Yeah. And it was like, it was a nice place to go. Like it was guarded. You made sure that it was very safe. Like it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure they, they did have prisoners there, but it yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't Synonymous. primarily a prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I looked it up online and there's like Royal apartments mm-hmm. and you know, they're pretty bougie for that time. You yeah. know, they're not, they're, they're really nice apartments for that time. Um, totally. So Richard escorted Eddie there, you know, whenever he's escorting him there, it wouldn't have raised too many eyebrows basically. Right. I mean, they may have been like, did he really just, did he really just have the King's brother arrested and eventually beheaded? Yeah. yeah. Eddie's coronation keeps getting pushed back. Like first it's supposed to be May 4th because the King, King Edward the fourth died in April. So first the coronation was supposed to be in May and then, Oh, you know what? We're going to push it back to end of June. And then that's when everything just kind of the shit hits the rose colored fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and- Eddie is makes it to the Tower of London on May 19th. So he just like chills there for about a month before he was joined by his brother, Richie Rich. And so again, like these two would barely know each other, but they're about to have plenty of time to get to know each other. <laughs> well, like, so what Richard said was, is he said, well, the prince was asking for his brother because he was lonely. And that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Because like you said, yeah. they didn't because I mean- Edward would have had other children of the nobility that he was raised with in Ludlow. So he would have probably been asking for one of his friends, you know, one of his classmates or something, not his baby brother who he barely knew. But who's next, who's next in line to the throne. Yeah. It's very convenient for the for anybody that might want to do away with the sons of Edward the Fourth to put them both in the same place. Yes. So, like, Richard has these two sons. It, he's got a lot of power now. Mm. So, Richard III ended up to get Richie Rich. He surrounds Westminster Abbey. And, like, he sends, like, a little text to Elizabeth Wood. was like, hey. You up? You up? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, you should send Richie Rich down. We need to go take care of him and send him with his brother. And Elizabeth's like, uh, I don't think so. Like, I, I'm 99.99% sure. She's like, hell fucking no. Yeah. Um, but... She also doesn't have much power because, like, Richard, Uncle Dick, has the castle surrounded. You know, her husband, back in the day, even though someone claimed sanctuary, her husband just barged on in and got him and killed him. Yeah. So, technically, Uncle Dick could just barge on in, grab her, kill her, and take her children. Totally. All of her children. First of all, there's this whole conspiracy that um, Elizabeth Woodville switched Richard out with some, like, little boy that was just, like, hanging out in sanctuary as well or something and said yeah this is baby richard uncle dick wouldn't have known the difference because he wasn't super close with the children of edward the fourth but i eh, that's very that's very convenient but then another thing is people who are richard the third advocates are like if she really thought that her sons were in danger with richard the third she wouldn't have sent baby richie rich but he's already Killed one of her sons when um when her gray son and her brother Woodville oh, yeah. got sent to prison. They got executed. They were executed by this time. So she she knows he's capable of killing one of her sons. I feel like people forget about her gray kid, her gray boys. That he's fully capable. Richard's already killed one of her children. So yeah, so he is not sending him off, being like, okay, safekeeping, do to do to do. But I also <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also don't think she would have had the means. Or yeah, to switch them have, out. Yeah, I really don't think she had the means at that point. And yeah. it, it's alleged, well, it's not alleged, but Uncle Dick ended up sending the same preacher bishop that married King Ed and Elizabeth Woodville. And that preacher's like, I promise nothing's going to happen bad to Richie Rich. And that's whenever she's like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. So she was reluctant. Yeah. She was reluctant. Like she did not want to do it. At and Richie. also, he had Westminster Abbey surrounded by. <laughs> And forces, so. so. That's a big convenient thing. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, Richie Rich joins his brother in the Tower of London mm-hmm. on June 16th, 1483. And hold on to your crowns and clutch your pearls, bitches. Shit's about to get ugly. Oh, no. Um, Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. That is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. On June 22nd, there's a sermon preached at St. Paul's, and there's a preacher that claims that Uncle Dick is actually the rightful heir to the throne. Um, que pasa? Yeah. So the claim is, is that Edward IV was apparently married to a woman named Lady Eleanor Butler, who was already technically dead, uh, but we're just gonna, <laughs> we're just, we're gonna gloss over that. <laughs> and that means that whenever he married Elizabeth Woodville, he was, you know, like committing bigamy, so therefore the marriage between him and Elizabeth Woodville was null and void and all of the kids of that marriage were illegitimate. This is almost certainly bullshit that (laughs) Richard's faction made up. All of Uncle Dick's supporters were saying this is true. There are several reasons why most historians believe this is bullshit. One of which is this Eleanor Butler lady like never came forward and said anything about their marriage. Maybe she was embarrassed that she had been like bamboozled or whatever. Secondly, though, her family were staunch York supporters and like her brothers and cousins and stuff all fought with Edward in the Wars of the Roses. So it's like, why would they do that if they were like, he had like wronged their cousin or sister or whatever? Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, because, you know, he ditched Eleanor. They should have a grudge against him. That makes sense. Like, why, why would they follow him after that? And then- Also, it doesn't even fucking matter because Eleanor Butler died in 1468 and Eddie was born in 1470. So at this point, one wife, like little baby Eddie was born two years after Butler died. So, yeah, I think it's like it's really funny, like how over the years people have tried to re re not rehash but kind of refurbish richard the third's yeah <laughs> reputation if you will it's like and they, can- they're starting to try to reverse things i do believe he's a very complex character like i've said before i don't co-sign to this idea of him from the shakespeare play where he's just a deformed evil yeah out to not- kill everybody type person and he did do some good things in his life so but I mean, the you people, have to- but the people that are like just now like he was a saint. I'm like, well, mm. nah, that's that's debatable. <laughs> and I'll get to and that more in a minute. <laughs> I think what's interesting with the, about his image, like the way that he looked, you have to remember that the reason I think that William Shakespeare painted him as a deformed person is because back in the day, if you were ever had some malady or something that looked wrong with you, they thought that it was because you were a bad spirit. Ugly on the inside, ugly on the outside. Yeah, yeah so they were mm, super... Not, not cash money. No, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so they claimed that Elizabeth Woodville aligned herself with Henry Tudor, which may happen later. Uh, and the reason being is to re-legitimize her kids, you know, if Henry Tudor wins the crown, basically. Yeah. So the reason Uncle Dick was painted as the bad guy was because after the Battle of Bosworth, history is written by all these pro-Tudor historians. So there's always that argument, which I think is interesting, is that like people say that because the Tudors won, that's why Richard III is painted so bad. So I always have to play devil's advocate, even though I clearly think Richard III was was guilty. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, you know, At Queen's Podcast, we always say history's a bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what this is. It's like history's written by the person that wins the battle. Yeah. And it's typically a man and it's typically, you know, the winner. And right. They're gonna, it makes me think of like Boudicca and Cleopatra and all of those people, you know. Right. The only accounts we have from them are like after they're dead, mainly from people on the other side. And also, I don't think William Shakespeare ever meant for his play to be taken as a historical fact. Like it's entertainment. I mean, he knew that he was writing something that would be popular and that had real people, but I don't think he was a historian. And 
Secondly, first person to like really write down the story that they, that Richard III had them smothered with pillows was Thomas More. Mm -hmm. Thomas More would have been about three or four years old um, when the princes (laughs) went missing. So it's all, it just reminds me of like, yeah, he's writing what he's heard from court and stuff like that. But it's like a game of telephone, you know, like more and more gets added on to it as it gets handed down. So, and the people in, and the people in court for Sir Thomas More were all tutors at the right, time. So right. that's who he, that's all his history was from, his tutor family. Right. So so to add to this was, uh, was an accusation of treason by Uncle Dick. So he accused William, the Lord of Hastings, of conspiring with the Woodville. So he's literally like trying to get everyone arrested, thrown away so that he can take the crown. So Lord Hastings was a hardcore Yorkist. Like he would be the one that's breeding all the Yorkies and just like (laughs) handing them out to everyone (laughs) at church. And he would hand them to King Ed and be like, here, you know, you're my BFF. Here's a Yorkie. No, (laughs) King King Ed and Lord Hastings were like, like from back and like old college drinking buddies. Like they were like fucking tight. But as happens sometimes, the college drinking buddy doesn't like his best friend's wife. And so even mm. though they remained tight as soon as Eddie died, Hastings at first was sort of like, yeah, let's get all these fucking Woodvilles out of here. It was, it was again, that older royalty that's like, who right. these Woodvilles, would would eat the wood what? Yeah, like maybe maybe I would have been the one to raise the young prince if mm-hmm. Anthony Woodville hadn't been around, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and so the fact that um, Hastings had a falling out with Richard a lot of people point to that as like, well, he found out what he did to Edward's sons and that, and he was executed to hut, to shut him up. Yeah. But his, so basically, even though Lord Hastings hated Elizabeth Woodville and this new family, he literally changed his mind whenever uncle Dick took, took hold mm-hmm. of Prince Eddie mm-hmm. immediately. Whenever Prince Eddie was taken under uncle Dick's control, Lord Hastings like, uh, never mind. Hey, Elizabeth Woodville, you remember that whole beef that I had with you? <laughs> Let's just Sorry. put that in the past. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so the Woodvilles, you know, they're this brand new royal family and in a very heated family feud. Treason, survey says. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. So Uncle Dick was crowned King of England as Richard III. I uh, and like like we said in the Elizabeth uh, York episode, he's just like, oh, little old me, little old me, you want me yeah. as king? And they're like, yeah, everybody else is gone. Like, it yes. reminds me of like Stuart from Mad TV being like, no, <laughs> like no. his foot out, and then reluctantly like, oh, okay, I guess. I guess All I'm right, look what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm king. The sad thing is probably a lot of our listeners are too young to remember Stuart from Mad yeah. TV. They're going to yeah. be like, what? <laughs> look it up. Please look it up. <laughs> so Lord Protector of the Realm, Uncle Dick, now King Uncle Dick of England, is crowned on June 26th of 1483. So this is what happened. This is when things get sketchy. <laughs> because the boys are like never seen after June 16th. 1483. So the last time that everybody saw them, they were playing in the gardens at the Tower of London together. And that's June 16th. And then after that, they were never heard from again. Yeah. So Uncle Dick claims that he moved them to the inner apartments of the Tower of London to keep them more safe. Um, Trying to say like, I don't want anybody to come and try to take them and steal them away because, you know, Henry VII over there might want to overthrow us. So he's kind of using that as like a shadow to hide in underneath. <laughs> right. So those are the victims and that's how they got to where they were. So the crime, this could be a simple missing person, missing person's case. Yeah. Like kind of like what you said earlier, uh, maybe Elizabeth Woodville switched one of the kids out. Right. Maybe they escaped. Many people claim, and we'll talk about it in our second Elizabeth Woodville or second Elizabeth of York episode a little bit more. A lot of people claimed to be Prince Richie Rich into Henry VII's reign. So, you know, maybe somebody did switch out one of like them with imposters. One of those imposters went so far as like trying to stage an uprising, uh, Perkin Warbeck, which we will definitely talk about in a later episode. But I feel like most historians agree that uh, that no, none of those yeah. pretenders are actually Prince Ritchie, except for Philippa Gregory, because she does not count. Like when people are like, well, I read that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you read that in a novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a real thing. <laughs> 
though though i do want to say the white princess book is very entertaining so don't don't want to say don't read it if you like historical yeah, fiction. yeah i know that's true but, but in that it's yeah but a big basis of it is that elizabeth york's brother comes back and she can't she like has this turmoil and like doesn't want to tell anybody that that's the real prince of york because then it would like take her husband off the throne we're here to tell you n- no <laughs> No, no. I mean, but for real, real, one of the imposters was so good that Henry VII literally had to pay him off. It was yeah. like, I can't, I can't prove that you aren't, so I'm fucked. So it was, right. then there's also the theory that what if the princes just like died of natural causes? You know, it's back in the day. Right. The mortality rate for children is a lot higher. I so mean, yeah. Kind of what I was alluding to earlier was like the, how Prince Eddie was like complaining of physical problems. early on, yeah. Yeah, it was this. He was complaining of jaw pain, which could be a legitimate claim. And uh, that would indicate a jaw infection, which is fatal in the 15th century. Like you don't, you don't get past that. So what if Prince Eddie dies on Uncle Dick's watch and Uncle Dick's like, oh my God, what the fuck do I do? Oh my God. Uh, uh, Because Prince Eddie allegedly was like saying prayers like it was the end of his life. But you could say he's doing that because he's afraid that Uncle Dick's going to kill him. Yeah, you know, they're you good. Also switch that and say, you know, was it because he was sick? So, Or maybe just that. because he's also raised in a time when you prayed all the fucking time. Like they were very religious back then. I don't completely rule out the fact that maybe they died of natural causes. Maybe they caught a cold and then the other brother caught the cold and they died of natural causes. And the Richard establishment was afraid to make an announcement because of all the conspiracies that could well, come from it. They, yeah, and they were, yeah, exactly. So people, yeah. even if it was of natural causes, people would still say, well, they wouldn't have died if you wouldn't have taken them to the Tower of London. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so there was an attempted, like, almost uprising, uh, an, a coup to rescue the princes. around, And I think this is a pivotal moment in, in my terms of theory of what happened. So around July of 1483, there's some Yorkie loyalists that attempted to rescue the princes in the Tower. So typically these sort of, royal rescue attempts mean you just like paid off one of the guards and the guards is like hey i'm gonna let you go run (laughs) there's someone waiting for you down there run so it was well documented that this plan was completely foiled but you know we did mention in our elizabeth york episode that it was possible maybe there was like a relocation done Mm -hmm. and during this relocation one of the princes or both of the princes die. But like but like I said earlier, Uncle Dick wouldn't say anything because it would still make him look like the bad guy. Exactly. He- All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. Today could be the day a famous mobster met their end, or the first milestone for humans in space. Who knows what history today holds? Find out when you listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The other more widely accepted fate is that the princes were murdered by somebody with a motive. But let's talk to people with motive. <laughs> and also, again, um, we're going to talk about some of the main people. There are there are so many theories. We're just going to hit the highlights. But there are so many theories about the different people. Because honestly, when a little baby boy is disputed to be a king, there are so many people they are going to look and be like... Um, well, if he was dead, I would have this higher up. Or if he yep. came into my care, I would have this higher up. So the possibilities are endless, but let's hit the high notes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to decide which suspects are chilling or killing. Chilling or killing. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> so obviously we have Richard the Third, Uncle Dick. Yes. Um, and he's been like historian's prime suspect mm-hmm. since the get-go. I mean, Shakespeare's prime suspect, you know, everybody's prime suspect basically, because he's the last one that that had control of the princes. Right. So we'll look at kind of what the prosecution side is. So if you were prosecuting Henry, I mean Richard the Third, you would be like, hey. They were under control. They were under his you. care. I would say yeah. Richard III, the reason his his prosecution is the most popular still, he had the opportunity, the motive, the means. It just, it just makes the most sense, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he knew that if he didn't dispose of the princes, there would always be a like somebody else to claim. To be king. Yeah. Uh, there would always be some uprising right? back doorstep being like somebody's like, no, I'm the king. It's like, I got to get rid of these dudes. Right. Uncle Dick needed both kids eliminated. So he captured Prince Eddie and then pressured Elizabeth Woodville to hand over her son. So two things that just, I mean, are not good looks. And then yeah. had the boys declared illegitimate. It just all seems very convenient, you know? Yeah. And then like they're murdered. They go missing like days later. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Actually, of, I think they went missing before. Right? Maybe. Yeah. So a lot of the English public at the time did also think it was Richard, especially the people in London. I'm imagining I'm imagining like all these like princes photos like pasted on the tabloids. So <laughs> like, like, have you seen me? <laughs> did, did Dick do it? <laughs> it's like very John Benet Ramsey. <laughs> a lot of people that are Richard the Third, um, supporters like because he's had a bit of like a comeback in the last like decade or so i know it's weird um but a lot of people will cite that and like we said he's not a perfect person and he's not a villain like 100 the villain either but he was very popular before he came to london after edward the fourth died he was very popular in the north of england and because that's where he kind of like rolled as duke And he did a lot of good things in like the justice reform kind of like actually having like trial by jury and stuff like that. And he just really, he wasn't perfect, but he really didn't seem like a super corrupt dude before this. Yeah, it really, it really wasn't like there was no red flags other than, you know. Until until all the red flags. There were (laughs) no red flags until all of the red flags. Yeah. (laughs) So um, the, the, the other funny thing is like there's all these rumors that these boys are like miss like where do they go they're they disappeared right he could have richard iii could have just brought them out of the tower of london and been like here you go they're still alive you know what i mean yeah so why why on earth didn't he just bring them out to show that hey they're super safe in this super secret place right (laughs) but shortly after you know the alleged boy's murder uncle dick's right hand man the duke of buckingham leads this revolt against uncle dick Mm -hmm. the theory is is that the duke of buckingham was so pissed off that the king killed these innocent boys that he ended up trying to align with henry tudor to get richard iii out of the way right so it basically was you know him trying to be like i'm not cool with this i'm out let's let's turn this over and richard just basically foiled this whole overthrow and ended up executing the Duke of Buckingham. So red flags start to yeah. pop up. <laughs> well, the Duke of Buckingham had his own claim to the throne. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to get to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. This theory and this line of thinking, it's like, oh, I was right and die, right or die for you, Richard, until you started killing some babies. Yeah. Right. That, that might be a reason to stop following somebody. Right. Oh, oh, also, did we mention someone actually confessed to killing the princes in the tower? <laughs> Allegedly. Yes. So his name is James Tyrell, and he was a prisoner under King Henry VII. So this is after, you know, Richard III was yeah. dead. And Tyrell admits to the crimes, and, you know, he describes that, you know, the bodies were disposed under a staircase in the Tower of London. Uh, but keep in mind that Tyrell admitted to this while being tortured so right <laughs> you kind of have to look at that whole false confession thing i mean people falsely confess without being tortured <laughs> like right so imagine being tortured also james tyrell didn't have access to the tower of london so it's not like he could have just walked right on in and killed the kids he would have had to somebody would have had have, to let him in somebody would have exactly. said here's the keys to the prince's rooms here you know it wasn't he wasn't like some yeah. big shot that would have had access which uh, likely would be Uncle Dick, you know, right? that called that shot. And then he claimed that Richard III had instructed him to smother 
the two young princes with mm-hmm. their pillows. That's also probably where, or almost definitely, where Thomas More got his theory, uh, or like the story that he wrote. He took this Tyrell confession as fact and wrote based on that that Richard III instructed um, this Tyrell guy and a couple other guys that he named to go in there and smother them with the pillow. Because like then he also said, and we buried them under the staircase. Well, yeah. They found in six, in six. It's like it's 1974, right? Like it was way yeah. later after his confession. Like it was long after his confession. They found, they found the two skeletons. <laughs> right. I don't know why they didn't just go looking for them then. And they found them. But yeah. the people that inspected the bones in the 1600s said that the tissue connecting the lips what would have been torn, which suggests there was a struggle from Smuggling? Uh, or smuggling? Uh, <laughs> suffocating? <laughs> well, yeah, someone did admit to the crime. There's just so much that yeah. left open for interpretation. And there's a lot of things that honestly didn't check out, and we'll kind of get to that later in terms of this confession. So if you were the defense of Uncle Dick, you would say, you know, like, Richard III wasn't even in or by the Tower of London when the boys went missing. Right. He was like around touring England. He wasn't anywhere in the vicinity of these kids. So he would not be responsible for killing them. That's what you would say if you were the defense. Um, you know, he's just trying to keep these kids safe because this is the War of the Fucking Roses and Molly, you and Danger Girl. Right. So when Uncle Dick went to the boy's mother, Elizabeth Woodville is like, hey, I'm going to give you uh, my son, Richie Rich. You know, take him, uh, take care of him, Uncle Dick. Yeah, he's saying, yo, I just took care of these kids, you know, and that's just proof that she trusted me and that she believed that her other son was going to be kept alive. And even though Richard III was long dead afterwards, Elizabeth Woodville never formally came out and accused Uncle Dick of their murders, which she could have done. You know. Right, right. And then also the whole James Terrell thing, like you said, he confessed. Even though there's like a litany of con- inconsistencies, you could still say, well, somebody else confessed to this already. James Terrell said like the, like he said the bones were under the staircase. And then after all of shit, you know, after Henry VII took the throne, a priest went in, took those bones and moved them to somewhere, you know, like close to the family or something like that. And these bones that were found underneath the staircase had velvet with them. And velvet was something that only uh, royalty would have had. Okay. But the scientists like, so scientists like dug up these bones eventually and they like examined them. The guy is literally like, yeah, they died in 1483. And it's like, two. Can you really like trust? So from what from what I've read on it is that they were like re-examined in the 30s or the 40s, the 1930s or 40s. Basically, they were just like, yep, this all checks out. These are the princes in the tower and then put back in Westminster Abbey. What I've read and the podcast I've listened to, they're like, even by the standards of the 1940s, it really wasn't a well done investigation. And now we know so much more about DNA. They found Richard the third and we're able to test his bones and like confirm that it's Richard the third. But now, yeah, Lizzie too yeah. won't let us dig him up to read, to do it again, no, which no, is a shame. That's a, yeah. It really is a shame. I think they're Catholic, right? No. Remember the whole no, church of England right. thing? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cut that. We're going to cut that out. Uh, so, so Richard the third to his defense was also already technically the king and had declared the children of Elizabeth Woodville to be illegitimate. So why would he need to have them killed if they're already out of the line of succession? Eh. So that would be his, his, right. And plus there's like some other people that could have had motives besides him, like Lords and Dukes that are like underlying people that knew that, you know, if these princes were out of the way, I could be at a higher position. So it could have been one of them. So question remains, Katie, do you think uncle Dick was chilling or killing? (sighs) I think of all of the suspects, uncle Dick was the most likely to be killing. However, do you remember in our Eleanor of Aquitaine episode, when we talked about how Henry II just kind of made a nonchalant, like who will rid me of this priest? And then his buddies went and killed Thomas Beckett. Being like, oh, we thought you said who will rid me. We thought that was wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I tend to believe that it was probably something similar with Richard. He was probably like, oh, my life would be so much easier if these kids were out of the way or something like that. 
Yeah, I think he's just got too much motive for me. Yeah. He's got too much power. He has the kids under his control. He would have known everything that they were yeah. doing. He's killing. But I, I get where you're going with the like the off the cuff remark of I wish these kids just would have been gone and right. did something bad. So I get that. So that's who we're going to talk about next is who actually took it seriously. Allegedly. In my opinion, I think he's the guilty party out of everybody. Really? I, well, I, well, I think he's like the right hand man of King Richard III. Okay. And also, if he, if there was someone who got a doctorate from Shady Lady University, it's this guy. <laughs> like, What's this guy's have, name? Uh, Henry Stafford, the Duke of Buckingham. Yes. He was married to Catherine Woodville and was low-key, not so low-key, <laughs> not happy about it. He was right. pissed off <laughs> because he didn't want to marry one of those Woodvilles. They're low-born. And, you know, Catherine Woodville is Elizabeth Woodville's youngest sister. Catherine and the Duke of Buckingham were married when Catherine was seven and Henry was ten. Yeah, so baby, baby, baby. Baby, baby, babies. He's descendant from a king. I am this royal duke. It is a really high title. I have my own claim to the throne. Why did you marry me to this daughter of a knight, basically? Yeah, he totally has a claim to the throne. And it's not too far-fetched either. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's not like this really far-fetched idea that he could have potentially be the king. He could have been. Yeah. Um, He probably would have been one of those people that leaned into Elizabeth Woodville being a witch. You remember how they accused her? Yes, probably. He also had the motive. He would just have to dispose of the boys and Uncle Dick in order to potentially claim the throne. Correct. So he would have to get rid of all three of them in order to get it, which isn't too far-fetched because it's the War of the Roses. (laughs) Yeah. And well, if he got rid of the Princes of the Towers, then he could start spreading the rumor that Uncle Dick did it. And then if Uncle Dick's deposed or something, and he's like, hey, I'm also got a claim. So yeah, he definitely had motive. For fucking sure. And now, I mean, it can be debated on whether or not he acted alone or under the instruction of Richard III. This is where you can say, did he act on his own? Like me and Katie were saying earlier, where maybe Uncle Dick set off the cuff, hey. I wish somebody would kill these babies. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe this was your guy that did that took that instruction seriously and actually fucking killed him. And that if he did, that might also make sense of why him and Richard later have this falling out. Yeah, and interesting enough, Buckingham was technically in power when Richard III had left tour England. Mm-hmm. So he would have been able to access the Tower of London and people wouldn't have been like, why are you here? Who yeah. the fuck are you? He would have been able to access it. So he's also got the means, the motive, the opportunity as well. Yeah. So so one of the ideas that's floated is that Buckingham is one of the people that hires on James Tyrell to kill yeah. the two princes. He also could have hired on a bunch of other people. He probably could have convinced some other lords and, and barons and such mm-hmm. to maybe to maybe commit this crime. Well, some people think, um, you know, the Howard family that... Mm-hmm. Um, Later, like Anne Boleyn's uncle, Howard, uh, Duke of, the Duke of Norfolk. Some people believe, because I believe they were like in service to the Buckinghams at the time as like lower nobility. So some people think the Howards did it like to further Buckingham so that they could then themselves be furthered. And that, I mean, that I mean, there's motive there. There's yeah. You can't say that there's not. Yeah. And what's interesting is that whenever Uncle Dick comes back from his trip, that's when he and the Duke of Buckingham really start to have a rift. Like they, they start to not see eye to eye on everything. Remember, these guys have been, you know, they're basically like, I don't know how to describe them. It's like the, ba- the bad guys. Like you've got your bad guy and the bad guy's henchmen. So like Jafar and the fucking parrot. so they're super mad at each other and uncle dick he could have been pissed off at them for killing the kids i mean that's not a far-fetched idea to be like i returned to the tower of london and these children are dead what the fuck did you do and they're saying that you know some historians say that this is the reason that there was buckingham's revolt Mm -hmm. now you can flip that coin and say that richard the third had the kids killed and Buckingham was pissed off at Richard the third and tried to overthrow Richard the third for that reason. I mean, it's either way you fucking slice it or dice it. Buckingham likely had knowledge that the boys had been murdered. Mm -hmm. You know, like I feel like he would have known. So either way, if you believe that he actually helped 
or didn't help in the murder. He was definitely an accessory or like someone who knew it, but didn't say anything. To but stop we'll him. never know because Richard had him accused of treason and beheaded. <laughs> yep. Treason survey says ding. treason. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and log off. So the defense of the Duke of Buckingham, it would be that he advised Richard III not to have the children murdered. And that's what, why he rebelled. Or he was just working on the orders of his king. He couldn't not do what his king tells him. Yeah, so he had to do this because he knew that Uncle Richard didn't want to have the kids killed under his watch. Yeah. Under his eye. Under his eye. Oh my God, was that a Handmaid's Tale reference? Yes, (laughs) yes. Wow. Blessed be the fruit. I miss miss Handmaid's Tale. I know. Um, So even though technically Buckingham could have executed the crime on his own, Richard III is going to be implicated on this because... I'm so on the fence. He's pretending that these kids are alive up until 1485. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm on the fence too, because it's like, he's this king's right-hand shady lady. Yeah. Like, how could you not know about it? But at the same point, Richard III is like trying to cover up for it. Right. You know what I mean? Chilling or killing? Let's, let's, what do we think? I'm, I'm gonna, I want to say killing, but I want to play devil's advocate and say chilling and say maybe he just had no idea. I just really don't know. I, it is so hard because he was his right-hand man, but something inside me just tells me chilling. And then that's when he found out that Richard had the princes killed is what started the uprising. Yeah, the Buckingham's Buckingham's Rebellion, because he went to Henry VII at that point and was like, hey, let's overthrow Richard III because he killed these kids. And whenever that fell through, obviously... (laughs) Though I would, I feel like if we were actually a trial, the jury would be out for a long time on this one because the information can go either way. It really can. This one's like one of those that you could debate for hours. It'd probably be a hung jury like yeah. a couple times. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know about Buckingham, but if I had to make a guess, I'm going to say chilling. Yeah, me too. So there's also a theory that these crimes were committed by Margaret Beaufort and company. And by company, we mean Henry Tudor. Her son, Henry. Yeah. Heard of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... If you subscribe to this theory that Henry Tudor did it, then obviously Maggie B had to have known about it too, like in yeah. some form or fashion. So again, she would have been like a quote unquote accessory to the crime. Right. Um, so you also have to take into account for this theory that history is always, like I said, written by the winner of the war. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Bathory is a good example. Like yeah. somebody literally came out to like ruin her reputation. Yeah, that people, it, it may, for Elizabeth Bathory, it looked better if... She goes down in history as this woman that ate virgins or whatever, then just like, uh, she's kind of a bitch, but really the king owed her a lot of money, you know? So. Yeah, so it's something like that. So let's just dive into this. This is probably the rabbiest of rabbit holes that you mm-hmm. can go down. And it's the newest, <laughs> um, it's the newest popular theory. Which just shows you how how much people like fucking love this mystery that it's like 500 something years later and we're still coming up with new popular theories i mean this has always been a theory but just in like the last 10 or 15 years has it really gained traction yeah it really has it's really weird how it's done that. yeah so for henry the seventh to be guilty of this crime he would have to have committed this after his ascension to the throne in 1485 let's just make that that's an obvious statement or were- or have people on the inside yeah, but I, I really don't know if that would be likely due to the like how hardcore Richard III would have had them on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that well, is possible. That's always, you can't count anything out. Margaret Beaufort was under basically house arrest at this time because of some treasony shit she did. And so she was under lock and key of her husband. So one of the theories is the husband acted like he was a staunch, like Richard supporter and was like, I'm going to lock my wife up, but then really kept doing her dirty work for her because he was high up. That makes sense. And I mean, she even, she convinced Elizabeth Woodville that she's like, okay, the prince is already dead, honey. You got to accept this. So she's even using the Mm -hmm. prince's deaths at that point as a leverage to be able to get Elizabeth Woodville and the other Yorks on her side. So I mean, it it even adds to her being this, she also is a culprit in this. Like she could be uh, uh, someone that would consider this a crime, but she did it at the end of the day for her son. 
which is what, you know, Mm -hmm. she's gone down in history for. She also, at that point, secured a marriage arrangement between her son, Henry VII, and Elizabeth of York, like we talked about in the Elizabeth of York episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously, Henry will be the king and Mary Elizabeth's eldest daughter since the princes are dead and they'll be, they'll rule England at that point. Right, right. So I'm just imagining like, what what would have happened if Henry VII strolls on up to the Tower of London, opens the door, and the princes are like, hey! And he's like, oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is basically would negate the entire treaty that he had with Elizabeth Woodville. Mm-hmm. Because that oh, was mm-hmm. based on the premise that the sons were dead. And, and if the sons weren't dead... <laughs> And also now he's not going to make Lizzie and her sisters legitimate again, because then that would make these boys legitimate again and the next kings. So this theory then would be that the princes were alive and then Henry rocks up and sees them and then has them unalived. <laughs> unalived is that, is that how we... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, again, this is like, Oh, assuming that Uncle Dick didn't just kill the kids, but yeah, this is like this is a really nice theory where it's like it makes sense because it, I'm gonna keep driving it home. History is written by the winner, mm-hmm. and if Henry the Henry Tudor would not have wanted blood on his hands, you know, he wouldn't have wanted people to know, hey, my, hey, Elizabeth of York, I killed your brothers. Like, right. it's not a good way to start out a marriage, right? <laughs> so, right. I had your brothers killed. <laughs> Also, you know, Henry VII didn't have a spotless record before. He has some problematic shit on his side, too. Richard III had an illegitimate son who some sources say he had that son killed. There was the Earl of Warwick, who was Elizabeth's of York's first cousin. He put that guy in a tower and eventually had him killed. So it's not like Henry VII wasn't ruthless either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think like... One thing that I would come to Henry VII's defense on is that at least he put like a group of investigators together to try to like research it. Whereas Richard III never did that. He like looked into like where they went. However, there are some sources that say those were just people that were in his back pocket and would say whatever he wanted. So that's, again, that's always, every time there's a theory, there's like a hundred ways to discount the theory. So I think that's why it's survived so long so you know he's basically just trying to cover up by saying oh yeah i had investigators say that uh, uncle dick did it and then also you know um a lot of people point to how they treated elizabeth woodville after henry the seventh took power they basically just sent her off to a nunnery to like live out the rest of her life and like didn't really give her any money didn't really let her be part of court life there's one theory that she knew that that henry did something and so that's why she's locked away i think it's more likely that there was still like not a lot of love for the woodvilles at in royal life and henry was trying to clean up the mess from the wars of the roses and if people didn't like the woodvilles let's kind of get the woodvilles out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, the, the other theory is, is that he killed her, or he put her away in an abbey and locked her away because she found out that he had had the princess in the tower killed. Or his mother did, yeah. Yeah, or his mother did. And she, at that point, was like, uh, the fuck? Right. And then, so they had to like put her away and shush her so that she didn't tell everybody. So, I mean, bottom line is like, the winner of the War of the Roses writes history. So yeah. to, to kind of co-sign to this, you have to believe in that. Totally. So the defense of Henry VII is pretty... He wasn't there. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't that, there. I mean, it's, not, it's not a far fetch. Like, it just feels like whenever you go through this explanation of making Henry VII the murderer, it's like this really far-fetched right. idea. So it's like the defense of Henry VII will just be like, that makes no sense. He right. wasn't fucking there. <laughs> he was not even present. And the people that say, well, Margaret Beaufort was there. She was present. Like we said, she didn't have access to the princes. So she would have had to go. There would have had to been so many people involved in her conspiracy to get people into the tower to do away with the princes or move the princes or whatever. That it's just like, like once you add that many people into the conspiracy, it just seems so far-fetched to me. Yeah, me too. Like, And, and another thing is like the boys have already been missing. You know, it's not like they were still alive. So Richard III, like we said earlier, had plenty of opportunity to show Mm -hmm. show these boys in public to be like, here they are, they're safe, but he never fucking did. It also means that Henry Tudor uh, would have killed these brothers right before he's getting married to Elizabeth York. And I just don't know, even, even ruthless people 
I don't just see how that would not be something that mm-hmm. would be told in history. Like mm-hmm. he just killed the brothers and married the oldest daughter. Like, yeah, I just, I mean, I know it's a very popular theory right now. And there are a lot of people who will die on this hill that Margaret Beaufort and Henry the seventh had the princess killed. And you are welcome to your opinion. We are happy to hear your opinion on it. I just personally, uh, it seems like it just seems so far-fetched on both of their accounts. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but I always can play that devil's advocate and be like, but this is just because we were told this was how it happened. Yeah. Henry VII has spent so much of his reign trying to fight off people that claim to be Richie Rich, like Prince yeah. Richie Rich. And he wouldn't have had to do that if he knew they were dead. You know what I mean? Right. He wouldn't have paid off that dude. He wouldn't have had to squash all these things and have people go visit these imposters. And yeah, like you said, he spent so much time of his reign trying to squash these little Prince Richie Rich things, which I found interesting that the imposters only went for Richie Rich. But then I looked into it and it's because Richie Rich was like not in the public eye as much. Yeah, people didn't really know what he looked like. Yeah, so he was easy. He was super easy to to be an imposter to impersonate. Um, So it just, to me... If I was chilling or killing on Henry the Seventh, like I really want something in history to pop up so that I can say killing because then I can be like, whoa, that's some scandalous right? shit. Because that would be the coolest Queen's podcast episode ever oh to God. like really be like, yes. he actually did it. Yes. So I mean, that would be really cool. But he's chilling. I don't think that there's any way for them to examine the bones and tell us who did it at this point. But but I mean, if they examined the bones and they were like, whoa, this skeleton's from the 1500s, we could be like, okay, it wasn't, th- wasn't these aren't the okay, princes yeah, in the yeah, tower. Yeah, yeah, totally. These are not even the princes in the tower. So I, I think there's benefit, e- either way you do it, there's benefit to them. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think we will ever know who killed the princes in the towers. Um, for Henry Tudor and Margaret Beaufort, I think chillin'. I hope I'm wrong. I hope someday somebody is like, we got a new, we found a letter from Richard III to somebody that's been hidden all these years. I hope something more evidence does come up one day. And if it does, you'll hear about it here on Queen's Podcast. Yeah, I know. Because that to me, that would be the most fascinating story. That would be. And that would be something that we would be like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh, well, Nathan, this was exhausting, but this was a great way to start off our first Patreon episode of 2021. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we enjoyed listening, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.